I pray that you marvel at getting into the Word of God. And that we can go to the Word and we can learn more of everything. More of God the Father. More of His Son. More of the Holy Spirit that for the born again that lives and dwells within us. And I pray today that we can learn more of all these things as we look to the Word and, and uh, just that the Holy Spirit would speak, that the Word of God would speak to us today. Uh, two Sundays ago, we looked at why Jesus came to this earth He created. And, and we sang one of the songs that we opened with, the, the, of Him coming down into darkness, of Him leaving His glory and coming down. And why the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came, very shortly put, on account of sin. And and the reason I can say that with all confidence is we get that from Romans the 8th chapter. Let's read verses 3 and 4. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Romans 8, 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Now let me pause there for a minute. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, because no one could keep perfectly the law, could they? No one. No one could perfectly keep it. The only one who could was Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came... God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful man on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Jesus came because of sin. He came to bear the penalty for sin, to pay the cost for sin by going to the cross. That's why He came. That's why He was born. In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, Jesus came, born of a woman, born under the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law and to perfectly keep the law, and to provide for us a way of redemption. He came to be the, I think, uh, I don't know if it was last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, we talked about Him, it was two Sundays ago, Communion Sunday, talked about Jesus coming to be the perfect sacrificial Lamb. That's why He came, uh, to, to redeem us, to bear away the sins of all those who believe in His name, to believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 John. The fourth chapter, verses 9 and 10. 1 John, fourth chapter, verses 9 and 10. In this the love of God was manifested toward us. That word manifested, that means revealed, uh, that we might see. And, and this is the love. And in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. A propitiation. Brother Brian has, has done several uh, devotions talking about that word, propitiation. Came to be the payment, the ransom, for our sins. And last Sunday, uh, we looked at several prophecies of the coming of Christ. Uh, we went, I believe we went to uh, Genesis, the third chapter, and we began there, and we took it all the way through a lot of the Old Testament, and we saw the prophecies, and then we went into the New Testament to see the fulfillment of many of those prophecies um, through the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And I read a couple passages about Jesus coming as the light of the world in uh, John, the 12th chapter, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world 
that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And so today, uh, we uh, I just felt compelled. We're going to talk more about Jesus, the light of the world. So, so let's pray one more time. So Heavenly Father, we we come to Your Word and we just pray, pour out Your Spirit upon us uh, that we might see. And Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to go to uh, Matthew the 4th chapter verses 12 through 16, because this talks of a prophecy and then talks of a light that has come. So Matthew, the fourth chapter, uh, 12 through 14. And this was um, Christ as He's here and he's, He's heard of John the Baptist. If you go and read the first three chapters of Matthew, it will give you lineage. It will give you a lot of the events that happened. Uh, in the birth of Christ, and now this is far past that, and uh, talking of John the Baptist. Now when Jesus heard that John, this was John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he, Jesus, departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and this is, uh, you could go read this in Isaiah the ninth chapter, um, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Praise the Lord. That's tremendous. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And they got it right. The light there at the very end is capitalized because that who's that talking of? That's talking of Christ. Second Peter, first chapter, verse 19. Second Peter, first chapter, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Prophetic word confirmed. And if we go back to the first five verses of the book of John, John 1, first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. (laughs) See, the world sat in darkness. The world was shrouded in the shadow of death, but then light dawned. Jesus came to shine light into darkness. See, and and many would not and still do not comprehend it, do they? But to those who believe, (laughs) but to those who believe, He gives the right to become children of God. Let's go a little bit further in John, the first chapter, verses 11 and 12. He came to His own. This was come to the, to the Jews. He came to them. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Those who believe in His name. Let's go a little bit further in the book of John. John the third chapter, verses 15 through 18. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, I believe quite clearly we could answer the question, what must someone do to be saved? Believe. Believe. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. And then in that passage I just read from verse 15 through 18, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 times, believe or believed. Believe, by faith believe that you are a sinner condemned before God. By faith believe that Jesus came to pay the penalty for your sins upon the cross. Believe that He not only died, but He rose again. Believe and receive, repenting and confessing of sins. Believing. Romans 10, verse 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I don't want to let, let that go by too many times without saying, save from what? And we are saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all unbelievers. Because in this world, there are either, there's two classes of people. There's believers and unbelievers. No other. There is no other way to God the Father except through belief in Jesus Christ His Son. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Scripture is very clear, isn't it? It's very clear as long as the Spirit gives us understanding. <laughs> oh, that all would call upon Him and believe, repent, and, and, and give their lives to Him in service, in love, and in good works. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. See, the, the lost, the unbelievers, don't understand But the wrath of God is upon them even now. And apart from saving faith through belief in Jesus Christ, it will become actualized, realized someday when they stand before God the Father in judgment. Condemned already. I want us to go back. Let's go into Romans 8. Romans 8. I know we've read a couple verses, but I want to go back and read more to go with this. And Let's let's do verse. Uh, we're going to read in entirety one through seventeen. But verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, now I'm going to pause there for a minute because what did it said? They say, but but he who does not believe is condemned already. But then you read here, there is therefore now no condemnation. Wait a minute, no condemnation to who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. To those who believe, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, this is talking about, when it talks about those who are walking according to the flesh, that's the unbeliever. This is talking of spiritual identity. Those who are walking according to the flesh, those are those who are yet still only flesh. There is no spirit in them. And then those who walk according to the Spirit, this is those who are born again, those who are walking according to the Spirit that is within them. And uh, let's go, we read from John the third chapter, let's go back into John the third chapter for just a moment, and then we're going to come back to Romans. John the third chapter, let's read verses 5 through 8. 5 through 8. Now, this is the encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus had just 
talked with Nicodemus, you must be born again. What did Nicodemus say? How can this be? How can a man be born again? And this is in response as Jesus is talking. Uh, Jesus answered, answered Nicodemus' question. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, when, when I read this, and, and I kind of went back in my notes and looked, it's been a long time since I've talked about this 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 thing, but that part that says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Often there is confusion there. Uh, What is the water? What does this represent? What's this a symbol of? And quite often what will happen, people will say, well, it's talking of water, must be talking of baptism. They they just automatically jump there. That's not what this is talking about. Others want to go down the road of, well, this is talking of just being flesh and only flesh. And so they, they say, well, you know, when a woman is pregnant and that comes that point and their water breaks and, and they want to say the water is, is, is what we know as ambiotic fluid and so they're born of water and the flesh. No, that's not what it's talking about either. And, and, and how can I say that? How can I say that? We have to put it in context of who Jesus is talking to, don't we? And who is Jesus talking to? Nicodemus. And who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee. It means he's a keeper of the law. The Old Testament. He is a teacher of Old Testament scriptures. Nicodemus knows the Old Testament. And so, what will Nicodemus know that water symbolizes? See, that's where you have to go. And, and here's and here's what we here's what we do, and we know that uh, Nicodemus is a teacher of the law because Jesus said it in John three ten. Let's go ahead and read that. Jesus answered and said, "Are you the teacher of Israel?" Which was rhetorical because yes, he was, and he knew that. And do not know these things. It's like Jesus saying, "Nicodemus, I'm I'm here fulfilling scriptures, and you don't know these things. You should know these things." And what should what would Nicodemus have known? Of water, or the washing of water, washing of regeneration. What would water symbolize to Nicodemus? Purification and cleansing. Uh, and let's go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel the thirty-sixth chapter. Ezekiel thirty-six. I want to read verses twenty-two through twenty-eight. Ezekiel thirty-six. 22 through 28. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. What is the Old Testament? Is it but types and shadows of that which is to come, of that which will be fulfilled in Christ Jesus? You know, in, in this that I read, to, to whom did the Lord say, You shall be my people and I will be your God? To, to those that He had said that I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. It wasn't talk of physical filthiness, but spiritual 
And to the ones to whom he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out the heart of stone, the dead heart, and give you a new heart. One that is alive, alive in me. And I believe that this is what Jesus was referring to in the talking to Nicodemus. Born of water and the spirit. That is being born again, being born from above, being born of the spirit. He cleanses us from our sins. We are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And He places within us a new heart. And we are made alive in Christ. I will keep going with this thought. So, so who brings us alive? I'm going to get specific. The Spirit. It's the Spirit. The very breath of God that brings us alive. Now let's go into 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Verses 4 through 6. 2 Corinthians, 3rd chapter, 4 through 6. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. It's the Spirit. That gives life. Jesus himself said in John the 6th chapter verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. I I love the lyric of that one song that we sang. That says born of the spirit. Now I can see. All of the treasure you've given to me. You see, because before the Spirit came, we couldn't see it. We, 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 we didn't know it. It, it. it was foolishness to us. All the, the message of the cross, foolishness. Born of the Spirit, born of God, born again through faith, believing in Christ. And now having received the Spirit, we walk according to the Spirit that, that's what Paul was talking about in, there in Romans 8. And therefore there is now no condemnation because we have believed with a belief unto righteousness and salvation. So now, to say all that, to get back to Romans 8. Romans 8, we're going to read a chunk. Verses 1 through 17. I pray this the Holy Spirit will enlighten us to the, His Word even as we read. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me pause here for a minute. It's this talking of two different identities, isn't it? And to bring it back to believer, unbeliever. Those born of the Spirit, those not born of the Spirit. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now, let me pause there for a minute. That lays to rest a lot of different ideas that are out there about the Spirit of God. Oh, you get saved, and then somewhere down the road, then you receive the Spirit. No. If you get saved, you have the Spirit. What's it say? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You're not the Lord's. So I know that to be the Lord's, to be born again, I have the Spirit. Of God in me. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. 
dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his flesh who dwells in you. Let me pause there again, talking of eternal life. See, we have this hope because Jesus rose from the dead. We too shall rise. You see, that a hope of eternal life. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And again, talking of identities. If you're living according to the flesh, you're going to die because you have not the Spirit. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Because that answers the question right there. Well, how do I know I have the Spirit? How do I know I'm saved? The Holy Spirit will tell you. See, I can't tell you. No one can tell you whether you're saved or not apart from the Holy Spirit. So, so don't put your rest in, in saying some little prayer and somebody stamping a seal of approval on you and, and declaring you saved. No one on the face of this planet has the right or the power to do that. Only Christ Himself. The Spirit Himself. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. See, Jesus has come that we might have eternal life. Jesus has come to shine light into darkness that we might see. The light of salvation has come to the world. Now, we read earlier in Matthew 4, let me read it one more time, verse 16, Matthew four sixteen, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has come. See, the light has come. The light that would bring eternal life to all who would believe. Eternal life to those who once sat in the region of darkness and the shadows of death, and we know that was once all of us. And perhaps still yet some of us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Christ has come that we might have the light of life. Now, I want us to go back into history for a moment. Let's go to Luke the second chapter. Luke the second chapter because it's going to talk of Simeon. It's going to talk of a light to bring revelation. And so in Luke, the second chapter, we're going to pick this up in the 21st verse and read down through 32. We know this is eight days after Jesus was born that, that this event took place. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the day, days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him, brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a pair, a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a just and devout was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. <laughs> you see, their, their answer is another question. It was the Holy Spirit upon the face of the earth, the earth before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Or he was. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, was upon Simeon. And it... And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. See, Simeon had been given a promise. Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. You're not going to die until this one that the, the, the prophets have talked of comes. Until the light has come. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Verse 27 so he, so Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple. 
The Spirit of God was upon Simeon, you see, and, and impressed upon him. Simeon, you go to the temple right now. Go right now. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, Jesus our Lord, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now. He knew. He knew. How do you know? The Spirit of God told him. This is him. This is the one. Man, what a blessing, right? Wow. He took him up in his arms. And blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. See, what a marvelous statement. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. See, we were on the outside looking in. We were not part of, of, of the Jews, the, the Israelites the, the, that were given the covenant of promise. We were not a part of that. But all in Christ Jesus, that wall of separation was torn down. There's a new covenant in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? And now we, we, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to read Ephesians 2, just a portion one more time. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. See, this is talking to the Jews. Looking down on the Gentiles. We're the chosen people. You are nothing. You're heathen. That at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, that was us. That was us. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Oh, I never get tired of reading that. I never tire of reading that. And if you drop down one more verse, verse 19, Now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. See, those who are washed by the blood of Christ, that your sins have been washed clean by the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus, the light has come. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. There's that believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus came to bring light to the world, to bring light to the Gentiles. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation. Now, who's he talking to? See, if you go, we didn't read the, the first eight verses. We go back and read the first eight verses. It tells you very clearly in the greeting of this letter, he's talking to the elect of God, to the children of God, to those who are born again. And to them, it is to them that he says this, but you, you who are born again, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, now listen, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, that's what Christ did. That's what the Spirit did in coming, you see. Called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, what a transaction that took place there. Once dead in trespasses and sins, but now in Christ Jesus made alive. Made alive. Once not a people, but now the people of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. 
For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's from the book of Ephesians one more time, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. For you were once darkness. That was all of us at one time. Darkness, there was no light whatsoever in us. None whatsoever. We were all once darkness. And now this is talking to those who are born again. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So, this morning, if you are born again, born of the Spirit, you are a child of light. Amen? You're a child of light. You're a child of light because one day you were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And that made you a child of light, a child of God, born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit because one day the breath of heaven breathed on you. Can I say it that way? Is that okay to say it that way? One day the breath of heaven breathed on all those who are born again. And now... Now, as a child of God, as a true believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to walk as what? Children of light. So I want to spend the remainder of our time talking about that. Because we've heard about Christ over the last three weeks. We've heard of prophecies. We've heard of Christ coming. We've heard of why He came. And now for those of us who is born again, what is asked of us? What is, can I say, required of us? as What, what would be well-pleasing to the Father? Because that's what we're wanting to do now. If we're truly born again, we want to be well-pleasing to God our Father. And so what will that look like? Well, let's go. Let's start in 1 John, 1st chapter. 1 John, 1st chapter. Let's read verses 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from Him from the Lord, and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now listen, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Let me pause there for a minute. Is there, is there many people on the faith of this, uh, face of this planet that, that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm born again. Oh yeah, I'm this or that. And then they continually walk in darkness and that's all you ever see from them. What's that evidence of? It's evidence of one of two things. One, that they are giving a false profession. That they are not saved whatsoever. And the only other possible explanation would be that they're walking in total disobedience to God the Father and that won't last forever. Because He will discipline them at some point if they are His. But if all you see is continual darkness, there is no fruit in their life, and, and by fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in them, that gives you pretty good evidence. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's go into 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. First six verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, first six verses. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, So when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon him as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Now, who's this talking about? To those who are walking in darkness. Those apart from Christ. Oh, they will say peace and safety. They will say all these grandeur things of the Lord. But if they are not born again, what happens? Sudden destruction comes upon him. The wrath of God. Judgment day. And they shall not escape. 
There is no escape. There is no you die and go to purgatory and perhaps someone can pray you out or, or pay alms enough to buy you out. There is That's a lie of the devil right there. There is no such thing. Your opportunity is now. Is now. Because there will be no escape. But you, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. Talking of those who are born again. But you are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. See, it won't be destruction coming upon the children of God when He comes for us. But it will be joy. Unspeakable. You are all, verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So if we are born again, children of light, let us walk in Him. Let us not slumber. And that's, I believe that's talking about just sitting back and just waiting for the Lord to come get us. No, let us be about His business. Let us be doing His work upon this earth. In Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, this is where Jesus is talking. He had said He is the light of the world. And if we are in Christ, then here's what He said of us. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's, that's us as born-again believers. Let our light shine. See, may, may the true believer never be tempted to put a basket, as, as this is talking about, put a basket over our lamp. And what's that talking about? What's, that's to do anything that would diminish the light of Christ. May we never be ashamed of the gospel. I think we could put that under there too. Because if we're ashamed of the gospel, we're not going to be telling others, are we? May we always walk worthy of our calling as children of God, as children of light. Let's go to Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians, first chapter, we're going to read 9 through 14. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience, long suffering, and joy. Now, I'm gonna pause there for a minute. This is what this is a picture of us, children of God. This this should be us. This is what people should be seeing in us and in me. Verse verse twelve. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Child of God, think about what the Lord has done for us. Well, I love that, that, that verse, that line there. He has delivered us. Put yourself in a verse. Born again believer, put yourself in a verse. My Redeemer, my Lord has delivered me from the power of darkness and has conveyed me into the kingdom of His love. Think about what He has done for you. And in light of what He has done, it's only reasonable, it's only sensible that we would live for Him. Our reasonable service, as Paul would say. Talking about what we should look like and how we should act and behave, perhaps, while we're yet on this planet earth. Uh, Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15. <laughs> hey, let, let, this, let these two verses. Because they challenge me to take a little. Uh, little inventory. Here take a little inventory of your life. Child of God born and begin believer. Who claimed to be righteous before the father. Are you doing any of this stuff? Do all things without complaining and disputing. Is that a picture of you? Is that a picture of me? 
Are you just whining and griping about everything? I don't think that's what a child of God should do. Do all things without complaining. Now that, that see that speaks to every generation, doesn't it? See, you know, we we got some guys that are still living at home. They're still under the authority of mom and dad. When they tell you to do something, what do you do? Go into your little fit. <laughs> do all things without complaining and disputing. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, can we shine as a light of Christ if we're grumbling, complaining, if if people see us doing all manner of things that are disobedient to God? No, no. As Christ came to bring light, we as children of God are to be a reflection of Him shining as lights in the midst of the world that we live. That should be us. That's why often you might hear me in, a, in one of my prayers say something to the effect of, Lord, Lord, this day help me to shine for You. And what I'm talking about is this very thing. Lord, let me be a reflection of You this day that others might see Perhaps my good works, my good deeds, my something in me, but, but not to pat me on the back, but to do what? Give God the glory. To give Him the glory. So let me, let's read one more time that John 12, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. See, the the true believer, the born-again believer, is to abide in Christ, not walk in darkness, not do the deeds of of, of an unbeliever, but to walk and to shine for Him. One more verse, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. All that we would shine for Him, child of God. I said one more verse. I've got a few more. Because here, here's the thing. I, I just was talking to the children of God. That's, that's what should be seen in us. But if there's someone that's listening to this sermon and they're yet lost, then I would plead with you, come to the light. Come to the light. And by faith believe. Because we didn't read this in John 3, and I wanted to read this. In John 3, verses 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So come to the light and believe that your condemnation might be removed and that you might be saved from the wrath to come. John 12, verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Because there will be a day when it is too late. There will be. So I pray that the Lord would have mercy and open eyes to see His glory. Because that's why Christ came too, isn't it? You know, in Acts 26, verse 18, it says, Jesus came to open their eyes. Now listen to this. That's why He came. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's why He came. That they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Me. What a glorious verse. That's why He came. To open their eyes. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Call upon Him. 
Believing, confessing, and repenting, receive Christ, and He will give you the light of life. And all that we may all be able to cry with a voice of thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for His light of salvation. (laughs) Psalms 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For the born again, we can say that with all confidence. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. For your word of truth brings light. It is by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word that you will shine light into darkness. To expose sin and to call people out of their darkness into your marvelous light. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle of salvation, open eyes today, that all may see you, and in seeing your holiness and your righteousness, in turn would see their sin. And then, Lord, that you would grant them faith to believe and to see Christ, and see the ransom for sinners through Christ on the cross and and His blood shed for our redemption. Grant them faith to believe and to receive Christ. Lord, just help them that they would confess their sins and turn to You and follow You, follow Christ. And Lord, for for us who are born again, who have the Spirit, I pray that You would help us Help us to walk as children of light. That Lord, that when I or when we would step out of line and, and step into sin and disobedience, that you would immediately convict us and bring us back. Convict us that we might repent of our sins. So Lord, help us to shine. To shine for you. That people might see our good works and then give glory to you. And if anyone should see any of our good works or good deeds and and want to give us praise, Lord, let us turn it back to You. Turn it all back to You and say, oh, it's all because of God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. And perhaps to use that opportunity to share the Gospel. So Lord, we give You thanks. Thanks for the light of salvation. Thanks for Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.